0: You are locked on Packers. I
1: feel like we can run the table. we to do Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team Hub. every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts you will find. Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. On the show today, David Gardner who wrote an excellent feature for Bleacher Report on Aaron Rodgers and his relationships to his backup quarterbacks. A lot of terrific insight about how he operates his professionalism and the implication here is his potential relationship with Jordan Love, Before we get to that, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action for every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, your football never stops. Before we get to that conversation with David, uh, some news, and it's not good news. On Wednesday, we found out the Packers had two real injuries that could affect week one and likely will affect week one and beyond. The first, Rob Domovsky reported Kamel Martin is having surgery to repair an injured knee. In fact, had surgery earlier this week. He's going to be out sounds like six to eight weeks with a meniscus repair. That would put him back somewhere around after the bye week. Uh, which is going to be impactful to this defense considering Martin looked like he could be the starter next to Christian Kirksey. Billy Turner also dealing with a knee injury, and he is likely to miss several weeks, according also to Rob Domovsky. That puts him in doubt for week one. That is still not for sure. And so I I think for the Packers, this is something that you planned for. Billy Turner's ability to play guard or tackle made it easy to sign Rick Wagner because if Wagner doesn't work out, you have Turner to play tackle. Lane Taylor has been so good in camp that he might have been the best guy to start at right guard regardless of who the right tackle was. And now Rick Wagner can slide in. Now, he's dealing with an elbow injury. If he's 100% healthy, he is a quality player. Is he a top-level starter? Probably not. But if he's healthy and he's starting the season relatively healthy, if that elbow and everything is good to go for week one, he's a guy who last year gave up two pressures in two games to the Vikings. He is not just passable, he's useful at that spot. Green Bay was already probably going to use a lot of play action, a lot of quick throws, and they were going to attack this cornerback group. Now, of course, the trade for Yannick Ngakwe looks different if you don't have your preferred starter at offensive tackle. Even if it's the case that the the Packers don't have to face Ngakwe because he's not playing on that side, it still matters because your depth is a problem. And if you have injuries, and also if Rick Wagner is the guy, he's playing Daniel Hunter, you have a different perspective than if you have your preferred starter. Assuming, of course, Billy Turner is your preferred starter. This leads to questions about Jared Valdeer. Wagner's beat up. Turner's beat up. Alex Light is the next guy. Let's say there's an injury. Let's say in the Vikings game, there's an injury. Where are you going to turn? Huh? Well, you don't really have great options. You have Jared Valdeer who's out there, who knows this scheme, who we know can play. Why would you not call him? I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the week, Jared Valdeer was a Packer, and he gets a full week of practice. Because they don't have to make the decision until the end of the week. You see where Billy Turner is. They could call Valdir on Sunday. He's in Green Bay on Monday, gets a full week of practice. That's enough. He's a veteran. He started on basically no notice against the Seahawks. And he was on this team last year. He was there in week 16. Uh, He was there for Vikings prep. So this is not going to be new to him. Uh, And so it just makes too much sense not to happen. Either way, you feel good about having a backup plan like Rick Wagner. Now, the Camille Martin thing is more disappointing than it is impactful because he was having, by all accounts, all accounts, a great training camp and looked to be the starting inside linebacker next to Christian Kirksey. The question is, how much does that guy play In a mike pettin defense and the answer is last year not very much fewer than 30 percent of snaps bj goodson and if you look at those two vikings games goodson played almost 60 percent of snaps in that first game but fewer than 30 again in that week 16 game now Dalvin cook didn't play in that second game but maybe the packers whose defensive philosophy did evolve over the course of the season you go into the season and you say look Probably not going to play more than 25% of snaps anyway. He's a rookie. Maybe that was the perspective. We don't know. Even if it was the case that he was going to play, let's say, 50% of snaps against the Vikings, probably not true against the Saints, probably not true against the Lions, and probably not true against the Falcons. So you're not missing game action in a significant way if you're Kamal Martin because those are games you probably weren't going to play a ton in anyway. Oren Burks did return to the practice field yesterday, so that's something in terms of the linebacker position. Who knows when Curtis Bolton is able to come off PUP. Remember IR with the designation to return, um, you can do much sooner this year um, after three weeks, and you don't need to be designated ahead of time. As many guys as a team wants can come off IR in terms of that designation. So, It's not like they'd have to waste a spot to come off IR with Kamel Martin. The thing is, he probably was just not going to be a big part of this defense early on. Again, this is about the energy that you devote to the linebacker position. The Packers haven't had positive energy there. I mean, that's not, and that's not even quite true because you go back two years ago, Oren Burks comes in as a rookie, impresses, sideline-to-sideline side speed, really good in coverage in the preseason, and you go, hey, this guy, he could be a player. Compliment to Blake Martinez, all good things. He gets hurt. That crimps his development. Next season, he comes in. he He's the guy. They're playing more big nickel with two linebackers. He gets hurt again. Who comes in? Curtis Bolton. Now he is the preseason star. Looks like he's going to be. The starter next to Blake Martinez. Going to play a lot of snaps because he can play in coverage. He tears up his knee. Now, three years in a row, a promising young linebacker as a rookie comes in and looks like he's going to be the starter and gets hurt. Now, you hope when he comes back, he doesn't look the way Oren Burks did as a rookie. Now, Oren Burks was coming off you know, a position change, new to the linebacker spot, Camille Martin maybe doesn't have those same sort of deficiencies, but he's also not the athlete Burks is, was also not the cover player before that that Burks was. So it's a it's an it's a pretty big question about what he can be and and what the Packers are going to be able to get out of him if he's gonna miss a month, two months with this injury. It doesn't affect what's on the field that much because Mike Patton was already gonna play the most dime in the league was already going to play a ton of nickel, that part of it, not that big a deal. This is the development of a young player that the Packers were really excited about, that Packers fans were really excited about. And to not have that is, is really a pretty big bummer just because it, it was a pretty big morale boost to have this team have something so positive at, at a position that has has been a little bit of a sinkhole for so long. You have Christian Kirksey, he comes in, he looks really good. That's really encouraging. And then you add Kamal Martin. It's like, wait, the Packers go from having no linebackers that you feel are reliable to then maybe having two to immediately lose that is is pretty dispiriting. And you hope it doesn't set back Martin's development too much. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, All in one place, and NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, let's get to my conversation with David Gardner. You can find him on Twitter at Gardner, My former colleague at Sports Illustrated, this piece for Bleacher Report... Where David has been for the last couple of years. David, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers. So happy to be here, Peter. How you doing? I am quite good. Thank you for asking, and I'm I'm even better because I I really uh, enjoyed the piece that you wrote for Bleacher Report. I I just was rereading it before we we came on here, and I mentioned this to you before we started that the reporting in it is outstanding. The the quotes. I mean, I. I I think I posted all of the quotes at some point or scheduled tweets for all the quotes because there's there's so many uh, money lines in here. I want to back up for a second and get into a little bit of the sausage making. So what what led you to even thinking of, hey, this would make an interesting story because there's some stuff in here that hadn't even occurred to me.
0: Yeah, well, the inspiration was right after, you know, just like everybody else, I was very surprised that the Packers, who went to the NFC Championship game last year, were a game away from the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers seemed to be playing pretty well last season, would jump up in the draft to select a quarterback instead of, you know, taking a wide receiver. I think I kind of shared Aaron Rodgers' opinion that they were a few players away from getting back to the Super Bowl this upcoming season. And then what really turned the corner for me was in that first – um press conference that he had with reporters virtual press conference they asked him what he thought of the pick and he said he wasn't thrilled obviously but then he went on and said that he planned on treating Jordan Love just the same way he treated all his former backups and so as a reporter my natural next question was well I wonder how he did treat his former backup (laughs) quarterbacks and uh, it just kind of went from there.
1: So when you're when you're going through and you're talking to these guys uh, you know there is somewhat of a Especially with quarterbacks and and teammates, there is a code among NFL players. The candid level is, is not always at 100, but you're someone who's done a lot of these things. You've written a lot of features. You've talked to a lot of people, at least from the way that it reads on paper. It comes across as very genuine, the admiration and respect that they had for Aaron Rodgers. What did it, How did it in the room or I suppose more appropriately in this case more likely over Zoom or the phone? I mean, how did how did these compliments or these discussions ring to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, from the I think I represented in the story the way that it felt to me, which was that these people yeah. did have a really genuine admiration for Aaron Rodgers. If you were more skeptical, I guess what you could say is that I didn't talk to every single one of his former backup quarterbacks, although I did reach out to every single one that I could reasonably find a way to get in touch with. So there could be something of a selection bias here, where the certain people who would want would want to talk about having played sure. behind him uh, were the people who had good experiences with. Him, But every single person that I talked to also mentioned other backups. So some guys that I couldn't get in touch with. So for example, you know, I would be talking to Nick Hill and he would say, oh, I was in camp with this guy and you should call him too. And even if I couldn't get in touch with that guy, he would be saying that like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was this great quarterback uh, to him. And I think just What most people took away from Rogers was not so much the direct communication or mentoring, although he did offer that, but just his approach to the game was so professional that it almost rubbed off on you. And being in that quarterback's room with great quarterbacks coaches, with Mike McCarthy, with at times Graham Harrell was in there, you know, you just, Mm -hmm. there were so many brilliant minds that it was hard not to have a good experience if what you wanted to do was really understand the game better.
1: Well, and, and that's the that's the piece of this that I thought was particularly fascinating. I mean, we can talk about the Rodgers as a teammate stuff, but you know, if you're a Packers fan uh, or you follow this team, that stuff has been litigated ad nauseum over <laughs> the last few years, and and you're almost sick of hearing about it. The thing that really struck me was I didn't even realize how many of Rodgers' former backups are now coaches. I knew obviously Graham Harrell is is a is a prominent college football coordinator now, but. It's a it's a number of guys, and as you lay out in the story, those are not coincidences.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you go through the list, I, I think I even gave an incomplete list because when I actually talked to Aaron, he mentioned a couple other guys that I didn't even know had played behind him at a certain point in my research uh, that had gone on to be coaches too. But if you just look at the list of you know the greatest hits, there's Brian Brohm, who's the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Purdue. There's Nick Hill, he's the head coach at Southern Illinois. Seneca Wallace is an assistant at a high school, a big powerhouse in Texas. Um, Scott Toljan is with the Cowboys right now, and then Graham Harrell, I think. is you know he's a right now he's the offensive coordinator at USC but probably is on his way to a head coaching job in college football in the next two or three seasons yeah uh, at max probably right yeah and so it's just kind of amazing and the common thread from all of those guys and I think uh, it was Hill that summed it up better which was you know he would have paid thousands of dollars to go to a coaching clinic where you had Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers in the room kind of breaking down how Aaron Rodgers was playing football I mean this was something everybody came out of that room smarter including Aaron himself. When I talked to Aaron, he said, you know, being around these guys, these great football minds, and he singled out Graham particularly, was something that helped improve my game. Even if there wasn't necessarily competition, you know, like Aaron Rodgers was never going to lose his job to any of these guys. There was a certain sense of growth because he was around so many other great minds.
1: Yeah. And and the lead of the story, um, I will not quote verbatim, but... You you spoke about Brett Hundley's feeling of initial dread at at going to Green Bay and, and being in that quarterback room. Uh, I thought Hundley had some really money quotes. The one I really liked was, you know, Aaron Rodgers had had to come in and succeed Brett Favre. Jordan Love is going to have to come in and succeed Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And and that's something that Hundley himself. I mean, whether or not we ever viewed him as the heir apparent is is almost beside the point. When he did have to play for half the season. That's what he had to do. So he knows what that feels like.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was with most of these guys, the two interesting questions that I wanted to get to, the two themes that I was kind of circling around with everybody besides the Aaron Rodgers stuff was, the first one was, what do you feel like when you get drafted onto a team that has a guy who's a future hall of fame quarterback? Like you come in as a guy like Brett Hundley, who, you know, he ended up sliding to the fifth round, but he was projected as a first rounder the year before he had all the confidence of a UCLA quarterback. What do you feel like when you get drafted on this team and you just go, I just know I'm not going to be a starter on this team unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Right. That's how do you yeah. deal with the psychic, you know, energy of that. And you know, his first word, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, podcast but sure, uh, Go ahead. yeah his first word was fuck when he found out he was being drafted <laughs> and he then came around to it and he said okay you know what I'm gonna learn as much as possible from here uh, you know from Rogers and really get around to what I can pick up from this how I can become a better quarterback and then the second thing I wanted to know was you know how did those interpersonal dynamics really play out was he an active mentor or was he just kind of a passive guy who let people observe him and it turned out he was was pretty active in terms of how he dealt with his quarterbacks
1: yeah and one thing that uh, is intuitive when you when you lay it out and think about it but maybe would not be something that comes to mind is Rodgers talks about his legacy and and treating his teammates a certain kind of way what's interesting is he and Brett Favre have a good relationship now but did not at the time and and the thing that I tried to impress upon people was if anyone knows what Jordan Love is going through right now it's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron makes it clear, really in no uncertain terms, that it matters to him that love has a different experience than he did, even though he's now friends with Brett Favre.
0: Yeah, I think that that was very much on his mind from the beginning. I think the you know, his first thought was probably just that he was pissed off and he probably has every right to be. But I think from the beginning on his mind were two things, which is one is, like he said, he knows that his legacy, and this is true, your legacy does really get determined by what kind of person you are on and off the field. I think he also, you know, he expressed to me, and I think that this is true as well, that he has a certain amount of confidence, which is very well earned in his ability. I don't think that he sees Jordan Love as a threat to his starting job this season or next season, but when it's Contract comes up, you know, maybe it's a different story. And then, like you said, the relationship with Brett Favre was there. He and I talked about that a little bit, and he's talked about it with other people before. I'm not going to try to make this out like that was an exclusive first conversation about his relationship with Brett Favre, but I do think that it gave him a certain kind of perspective. I asked him when he was going through that with Favre, was it at the top of his mind when he was going to be the starter one day, how he would deal with his starting, with his backup quarterbacks? And what he said was that, yes, you know, while you're the backup quarterback, you are looking at the things that the starter does, and that's not just on the field. You look at how they go about in the community, how they deal with fans, and also, of course, how they deal with their backup quarterbacks. And he would take notes about what he liked about what Brett Favre did and what he didn't like about what Brett Favre did. It was a little bit of a different situation with Brett, of course, because he had said on multiple occasions that he was considering retiring. Rodgers has never expressed that he has any desire to retire before the age of 40. And he kind of did the on-again, off-again thing, which ended up with him at the Vikings. And I don't think that Rodgers has any plans to leave the Packers unless, of course, the Packers decide to move in a different direction. So it's not a perfect analogy, but it is at the top of his mind because, of course, the age similarity between when they got drafted and when he got drafted is is right there. And apparently Brett Favre and he have been joking about about that a ton as well
1: yeah there was uh, it's too long a quote to read but but go find it in the story rogers talks pretty candidly about saying look I, I know what it's like to be 21 and and have a veteran a hall of fame veteran ahead of me and he it, it seems like he's really talking to love through the quote as, as if to say look just be you and and do i'm sure he said these things to jordan love Uh, But it it seems like Rodgers, who I think is one of the more introspective, uh, really super famous athletes that we have, is pretty self-aware of all of this. Did you get that impression talking to him?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that he has an interesting way... I mean, my favorite quote from him in the story was that uh, he said, it's more of an understanding of how beautiful life can be when it repeats itself in interesting ways. And, you know, (laughs) it's just kind of hard to imagine many starting NFL quarterbacks saying something like that. And I think that it's true. I think that he's a guy who is... You know, been on a really interesting personal journey, probably a really painful personal journey uh, for much of his NFL career, and he seems to be uh, from what stories that I've read about him that he's kind of pursued some different spiritual paths as well I think that he is, to your point, like trying to become a self-actualized person and part of that means putting away this initial competitive drive that you feel, which is kind of like, screw this guy, I'm going to be the starting quarterback of the Packers for as long as I damn well please, and saying you know what, I am going to be the starting quarterback of the Packers for as long as I please because I'm a great quarterback, so I don't have to be threatened by this guy coming in who's going to be a great quarterback in his own right, and I can give him the experience that I didn't have, and I can be a better person. I can be a path towards change, and I think that that's his – best version of himself i bet that he doesn't feel that way all of the time because none of us are the best version of ourselves all of the time but i do think that just that understanding is a first step towards it and i did think genuinely that he does want jordan to have a a really good experience in green bay
1: yeah i think often of the hard knocks uh in la when jared goff was a rookie and how Case Keenum seemed to take it personally that the Rams picked Jared Goff and Keenum went out of his way to sort of be a dick to Goff, it <laughs> seemed like. At least that was the way HBO made it seem. And it seemed like he, he played with a chip on his shoulder, that every pass completion was sort of an you" to the organization as if to say, this guy's not better than me, look. And it really genuinely doesn't seem like Rodgers is doing that The other thing is it helps to be Aaron Rodgers. And and so you don't have to feel that same level. And maybe he just sort of has a little bit more zen about that at this point in his career. Maybe if he's 28 and this happens, he doesn't feel the same way. But it does seem like he's pretty at peace with all of this.
0: Yeah. You know, the most interesting part, and it was probably the only contentious part of our interview, and we talked on the phone, Aaron and I, for 25 minutes or so, um, was when I asked him if he was reflecting on what had happened between him and Favre. And I asked him basically, you know, does your friendship with Favre now give you a certain sense of confidence that even if the worst happens between you and Jordan Love and this plays out in public and, you know, he ends up taking a job before you're ready, right, to leave the Packers and you end up going to a different team, that eventually you'll come back to being friends with each other. And he said to me, you know, there's no point in even asking that question. There's no point in speculating because I'm not going to let it get to that point. I'm not going to let it get to the point where there's animosity between us. It seems to me, if you were reading between the lines, that what he was saying was he's going to be the quarterback of the Packers for as long as the Packers want him to be the quarterback and that if they at some point feel like he is not performing up to standards or they want to move on for contractual reasons that he will without hard feelings, because it's more for him about himself and his journey than it is about just being caught up entirely with the Packers. I think he's pretty secure in knowing at this point that he's going to be one of the best Packers quarterbacks of all time, one of the best NFL quarterbacks of all time, certainly a future Hall of Famer.
1: The the ending quote here is from Graham Harrell, and it says, Getting drafted by the Packers and playing behind Aaron Rodgers, those will be the two best things that ever happened to Jordan Love. Did you get that kind of response from some of the other guys? I mean, I, I assume some of the the, the the point of the story in some ways is that this is going to be good for Jordan Love, even if it's not explicitly said over and over. Did you get that response from other guys?
0: Yeah, I would say almost every guy that I talked to had two things that were in common. One was that this is going to light a fire under Rodgers and that he's going to have maybe his best season. You know, a lot of the guys behind him were saying, like, if you know how competitive he is in even these, you know, stupid, you know, camp activities that happen, Mm -hmm. you're going to have no idea when he has a real threat behind him. He's going to play just lights out football and just like be prepared for that. So that was one thing. And the other thing was almost everybody said, you know, you're going to get better. Playing behind Aaron Rodgers, even if he totally ignored you, you would get better just by looking at how seriously he takes his preparation. I mean, Graham Harrell, I went into only part of it. Graham Harrell went on like a 15-minute rant with me about the importance of timing in three-step, five-step, and seven-step drops and what he learned from Aaron Rodgers and how he implements that at USC. And I asked Aaron about it, and he was like, I don't think I ever talked to Graham Harrell about, (laughs) you know, drops. And so it's like some of it is just you get to experience what it's like to play behind a guy who's just at the top of his craft. Now, the caveat of it is what Nick Hill said, which I think is wise, which is, you can have a temptation to try to play like Aaron Rodgers and yeah. I'm not a scout so I don't know you know what Jordan loves relative strengths and weaknesses are to Aaron Rodgers but any quarterback can get caught up in a pretty big problem if you're trying to emulate a guy who can throw off his back foot pedaling backwards 70 yards and drop it on a dime you know you have right. to find your own strengths and Aaron himself said you know he's got to make his way in this league he's got to be his own quarterback
1: Although the same is true of, of Aaron Rodgers, who had to do the same thing with Brett Favre and and actually did take some of those things. I remember there was a really great uh, anecdote in Bruce Feldman's quarterback book about that, that he actually got with a trainer and put together drills so he could make a skill, the thing that Favre just had a sort of preternatural ability to do. Um, I'm, I'm curious, just from a reporting standpoint, if you felt, if the story is not about Jordan Love's perspective on all of this. I'm just wondering if you tried to talk to Jordan Love.
0: I didn't even actually ask to talk to Jordan Love. I would assume that they would have said yes. I really didn't expect that Rodgers would want to participate, but he did and he was quite open. Um I thought that it wouldn't make sense to talk to Jordan Love at this pers- at this point right. because he hasn't really had By the time I was reporting it, you know, by the time the story was published, they'd had two weeks of training camp. And, you know, but by the time I was reporting it, really, it was only that they had done Zoom calls together and had limited interactions. And so I didn't think that it would really add a lot to the perspective. And of course, you know, what's Jordan Love going to say other than, you know, I'm very flattered to be on a team with Aaron Rodgers? I just didn't think it would add a whole lot. Yeah.
1: Which he did say and and has said and and will continue to be asked about it and will continue to say that of course until he has something else to, to say about it. Yeah. Versus,
0: I thought that Aaron Rodgers was adding some perspective here that he oh, hadn't yeah. talked about really in public about his philosophy of backup quarterbacks. And Jordan, you know, of course, being the polite young man that he is, like you said, is just going to say the same things over and over again, <laughs> and you won't hear an interesting quote from him <laughs> until twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah. And that's the way it should be. David, this was great. I appreciate it. Uh, Let my listeners know where they can find you and and the work that you do.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at Twitter at ByDavidGardner, B-Y, David Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R is how you spell my last name. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, if anybody has any uh, hate mail for the story, you know, just tweet it at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, David. Thanks, Pete. All right, I want to thank David again for joining the show. Before we finish up, it's worth noting that the New England Patriots released Mohamed Sanu, uh, a potential option for the Packers if they feel bad about their receiver group. Um, I, I don't know that it is likely to happen, but it is something that I think would make some sense. The, the, the Patriots released Muhammad Sanu not because he's bad. I don't think he's bad, but because it clears salary, $6.5 off the books. And I, I think they probably know they're not a Super Bowl team this year. But what's interesting here is the Packers could sign him, played in, in Atlanta with Matt LaFleur, knows the offense, could play in the slot, reliable third-down guy, could probably get him for nothing, could probably be what Bashad Breeland was for the offense uh, when, when Bashad Breeland a couple years ago played really well in stretches for the Packers defense I think it's a move worth considering I like the options I like Lazard I like MVS. but beyond that I mean EQ has been hurt Jake Kumro is just a guy and that's it if you can get him for nothing I, I, I just don't I don't see why you wouldn't but I think this this speaks to something that the Packers last year were criticized for they were criticized for not going all in even though they did try and trade for Robbie Anderson well, Emmanuel Sanders didn't really do much for the 49ers, didn't help them that much. He had one or two big games. And then they lost him in the offseason after trading a top-three pick for him. After trading a top-hundred pick for him. The Patriots gave up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, who had fewer than 30 catches and then was cut. He was not very good for the Patriots last year. There's just, you know, that's it. But that doesn't mean he couldn't be useful for the Packers this year. It's just something worth considering, on the other hand, I think it. in retrospect, the Packers didn't fail to make any moves that would have materially affected the outcome of their season, and they got to keep all their draft picks, picks that they used to, to take players that you may not like, but it's still good process to keep your picks, to... Uh, Keep the status quo, basically, with your team. I mean, not not giving up those picks didn't hurt them in any way and and could end up being a boon for them because guys like A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuar, they could end up being meaningful players for the Packers. All right, tomorrow on the show, Nick Vile, Packers superfan, former Bachelor contestant, podcast host. He's going to be on the show. Uh, as we as we move toward the start of the season next week, Jason Hirschhorn going to be on the podcast on Monday to talk about the Packers 53 man roster and, and start the preview for the Minnesota Vikings, because we're 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 there. We are almost there anyway to be game week. And I, I announced this on Twitter and we're going to talk about it uh, obviously next week when she's on the show. But Lily Zhao. Uh, who works for the the Fox station in Milwaukee, used to cover the Packers in Green Bay, now in Milwaukee. She's going to be on the show every Wednesday to break down this team and, and where they are and what's going on and what she's seeing and all that good stuff. So that's really fun. Excited to have her as part of our weekly content during the week. And I am the new Monday host for Locked On NFL, talking about everything that went on on Monday. So there will be a Locked On Packers to break down the Packer game on Sunday. And if you want the skinny on everything else going on around the league, the other games that you may have missed, Locked On NFL with yours truly on Monday, and all the other local experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network are going to be on those shows to help me do the work to break that stuff down because they follow their team closer than I could ever follow their team. That's why I do my show and they do theirs. But go check that out. And, uh, and subscribe to Locked On NFL as well if you're not already. Subscribe to Locked On Packers, of course. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341 3775 to stay Locked On Packers.